I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Yeah, what I'm thinking in terms of the uh, talking about the quality of the microphones. I think when it's an option, we'll use these bad boys. Yeah, I think eventually like, it would be good to get some a good setup at uh, a later yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I think like when it's an option, we we'll use the best quality we can, like now. Yeah. But I think I think the the goal has to be just do one a week. So yeah. It's like guerrilla tactics. Like if, if we haven't done one in the week, we're going to meet someone. <laughs> we'll, 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 well, yeah, we'll bring like if we're going to someone else's house, we'll just stick stick one of these mic, the uh, like the Olympus yeah. recorder in the pocket, or even if it's just use your phone with mm. that podcast app, is that content trumps quality, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that'd be the best thing, best thing to do. No, I think it's just, I think just get the ball rolling. I think overthinking, like we just came and just like, right, let's just just get this going now. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I want to avoid perfectionism. Yeah, keep it <laughs> in all areas of my life. Keep it because that's when you end up you end up like you end up missing weeks because you go, oh, I haven't got the right mics with me, or yeah. oh, can we rearrange that? I can't get access to this. Yeah, just just get it done. But uh, yeah, so, yeah. What, so like what, what were we talking about earlier with? Um, Learning, learning new things, doing things once a week. Yeah, you came in and I was, I was polishing one of the gun stocks. <laughs> yeah, <which was> yeah, <laughs> you, were, you were rubbing it down with oil. Yeah, mm. but I think, um, yeah, just just about getting stagnant. Really, I think even no matter what kind of, not the pace you're doing it, but even when you're making progression, it's slow climbing. Mm. Like everything's been going so good so far so doing doing the website was a big step forward mm. you know because I've, I've been running this company for the last two years mm. and it's just been going steady and steady but you kind of lose that not motivation but there's yeah what that what, excitement yeah I know what you mean but I, I think because yeah I had that that feeling like you, you want to I've got to stop saying like that feeling you if you want to you want to improve at your business or you want to do a spe- improve at a specific goal so you think oh I'll just be single minded and just do that but maybe there is some um merit in learning seemingly unrelated things but in doing so there's the lessons you learn doing those there's is actually transfer over and it sort of refreshes your refreshes your mind to to if yeah if you're getting a bit bit stale then you can sort of re-attack it with new vigor if you like. yeah there's I, I think people do that all the time especially when it comes to like like for instance you've taken on the saxophone which is, yeah. amazing, <laughs> which is amazing yeah and, um i think it's one of those things that like people think oh i'm not going to start anything because i know it's not going to be my big hobby so they're afraid to start something new because they're yes. like, well, I, I can't commit to that or my timing is too you know I'm quite busy right now and there's always an excuse making but then at the end of the day when you're lying in bed you're like what have I done with mm. myself and I think it's that if you take that step forward yeah well a few different things happened yeah well I started doing the yoga once a week because I've sort of always wanted to always sort of fancy doing it and then I, I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would doing the hot yoga and I was improving at it, just doing it once a week, because it's sort of my tendency to, I'll do something, I'll be completely obsessed, and I'll go, oh, I'll do it two times a day, and whatever. And I was like, no, just chill out, just go once a week, 
but I got a lot of benefit out of it and I was improving. So then that sparked on more things. I, I, I said to myself, okay, that's interesting. I wonder, I want, I want to test that hypothesis. Can you get better at things just doing them once a week? So I've slowly added, I started going back to the, doing the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, <laughs> which has, and they have other classes as well, like um, wrestling, like um, like the Olympic style wrestling you do, a bit of kickboxing. Um, and then I also started learning saxophone again, just saying I'd always regretted quitting as a kid. So I was like, oh, sod it, just just do it, which was partly spurred on by an audio book uh, I was listening listening to, written by Aubrey Marcus, who does a podcast that I, oh, right. I, I listen to. But also with the, going back to that, with the jiu-jitsu, I think I had to refresh, because I had tried starting it a couple of times, but I think I got that being too like goal orientated and worrying about being good at it. Whereas I think it's the process is the thing. And I think all of these things to me, it's a, I think you have to rephrase it's an, I'm not necessarily doing it to get better. It's like an exercise in fear. Cause you don't like, your ego doesn't like doing new things. Mm. It's like, it's, it, it's, it, you have to like there's like that pain barrier just being a bit shit and feeling a bit awkward and I think there's something really help I think I think there's a skill in being comfortable being a beginner so I think you, you should always be just be a beginner at something do you think there's like a hidden fear you know with peers like you know when you go to a new club or something and you think mm. like you know you're shit you've never done it before but there's mm. that like oh there's other people around me and they're so much better than me I don't want to do it or they get intimidated by it yeah Absolutely, yeah. I think ego always. And I love that you're you're doing old childhood things as well. Because I, when mm. I was younger, I wanted to play violin, like mm. spur of the moment. I was like, I want to play violin, and I want to play drums. And my parents were very supportive, and they're like, Yeah, we'll we'll get you that stuff. And I had a little drum set, and this dinner, and I just gave up on it. And it mm. was a shame. And even jujitsu, I started jujitsu, first first ever class I was there, mm. I tripped up on a mat mat and broke my arm. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember your dad saying about that. <laughs> so so yeah, good, I, you know, yeah, I broke my arm on my first jujitsu class on the warm up. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, that that kind of put me off it. Nice. But I I think it's one of those things that if you keep yourself active, especially mentally and like being open minded to things, because I've met a few people now, and especially like being the ages we are, like in the mid twenties, mm. I think it's a really delicate and sensitive time. Uh, like in our life because there's some people that are you know doing traveling and learning more about themselves and then there's some people like complete other spectrum where they're like I'm just setting it down having kids you know they're saving for mortgages and it's like Mm. it's one of those weird decades where you can go both ways you can go you know starting a family and saving for a house or or using your time and money to explore the world while you're in your like you know in a prime of some sort yeah it's all the old school and the new school sort of coming into play I feel like I feel like more and more which I think is great people people are coming more and more entrepreneurial it seems to me and sort of going against that classical nine to five uh, paradigm which I think I think can only be a positive thing I think I think there's always been entrepreneurs but definitely like since the late 90s, you know, the whole internet, mm. when that all popped around. 
Yeah, that's it's made it a lot more way, possible. Yeah, it's made it a lot more. Um, what's the word? Not friendly. Uh, accessible. Accessible. Yeah. yeah. You can. Yeah, you can make a living. Um, from just sitting on your on yeah you know, if, in your yeah, room. If, yeah if you love knitting you can make a, a YouTube show <laughs> yeah, about yeah. knitting and, and then while you're doing make that, a good living on Etsy yeah exactly you can never have, never have thought of doing that before so I what, think that's great what's the most rewarding thing you know with jujitsu is that you taking a lot of inspiration I know you we we both watch Joe Rogan we watch a lot of other podcasts and I mm. think Nat also I think that's what spurred admiral. spurred me on to to try it actually and then I sort of looked into it and I was like this is what I was saying and then I tried it and I was like I think I was part of I was like I tried it and I was like damn I wish I'd I wish I'd started this years ago because it's like it's my sort of thing mm. and I think I, it was part it was part of that with saxophone as well I was annoyed because I was I was in my head I was I was thinking damn if I hadn't if I'd carried on till this age from when I was 11 I would be amazing right now <laughs> you go oh that's so annoying and there's like a weird part of you doesn't want to doesn't want to start and enjoy it and then think oh man I would have enjoyed carrying on but that's such a such a dumb way of thinking it doesn't make any sense yeah. I think also our biggest problem right now like in our generation is attention span oh, and yes. it's like from the friends that we know I know like memes are like the big thing and even like watching 15 seconds is like yeah that's too long five seconds so like when you say like oh let's watch like a three hour podcast it's like yeah too long I was with a friend of mine and I was like dude just watch a film he's like ah that's way too long like (laughs) too long to watch a film yeah people like if you watch old films like my parents watch loads of like old 40s 50s 60s films and it just takes so long until you get to some action. It was just that whole build up, and and I think that comes across into all our lives in terms like digitally, like Tinder. This whole swipe, like there's no, we have no patience to meet people properly. You have no, everything has to be now, mm. and it's good and bad. You mm. know, I think like, it's dangerous because we don't give people a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And it's very ruthless. I think oh, it's so many things. It's just, it's self awareness is the crucial thing, isn't it? But I, again, I love, oh, I love, as you know, I love crushing podcasts. But often I'll, <laughs> but I like the audio books as well. But then I'll often get book recommendations from uh, podcasts. But uh, one of them I was put onto recently it was called uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it did just re- it really it did make you think, um, like so much in the sort of uh, information economy. A lot of producing valuable things is relying on long periods of uninterrupted deep work, mm. and sort of office spaces or modern technology sort of trained the brain to only ever stay in doing sort of shallow work because you get distracted all the time and even right. if you're you're doing something and, and you go oh, I'll just check Facebook or I'll just check my email and then you go back to it you can never get into that deep work state because there's a sort of attention residue he calls it so you have to but being mindful of that I, I then thought about it and I, it's I've realized it's not something I've ever sort of mastered I've all I've I just I've, yeah just get constantly distracted and find it so I'm I'm making an effort to have 
just sort of set aside periods. I'll put 90 minutes on a timer and just turn everything off. And even if I even if I sit there and just looking at the screen, just practice being bored for a little while and then try and try and do the work. But don't because mm. you otherwise you're rewarding your brain all the time for your brain goes every time I'm distracted, I'll look at Facebook or, or etc. And I'll get a little dopamine hit because oh, because I'll find because it will I'll find and you're you're rewarding your brain for for being distracting itself all the time. I had a very similar thing. It's like you wouldn't believe how many times I've closed Facebook, open up a new tab, and open Facebook again. Yeah, it's mad. But I think also like being distracted so easily is is dangerous, especially when you're trying to run your own business. Because mm. I I find it hard. I don't I don't utilize the whole day. You know, it's. I'll, I'll just be, you know, it's just, I'll try to go into some work, then after half an hour, I'm, like, I'm going to take a little bit of break, you put a YouTube video on it, by the time you watch a YouTube video, you're really an hour spent watching videos, you just get into this. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm really out of the loop. So I'm trying to now, you know, work away from home. And that's another thing, that's a whole nother discussion, it's just mm. working out of your comfort zone, and just being outside the house and keeping that distance between work and um and home hmm. well he talks about yeah he talks about th- th- sort of yeah different ways of doing that but that can be that can be one way it, mm. you, you just you go somewhere he was talking about like jk um rowling when she was writing her last book she was at home she just got distracted all the time so she was like she just went and just booked in a hotel and just just to write it because there's a sort of then there's like an investment mm. you've like invested yeah, in for that a reason yeah I, but i think but also partly just having a time of day that you always do it just having that that routine you'll have like an hour's deep work in the morning one of the, uh, such annoying i hate not being a morning person it's so annoying because like it's the perfect time to just get up do your stuff get on with some work and then you're like cool i've of crushing work this morning, you know, I can then I can get on, but like I just my brain just just doesn't work to like past midday. <laughs> you can train yourself with that. I think it's yeah, like, I know if I if I have like a long night, like I was working last night until three, but then I had to be up this morning mm. at, at eight. But if, if no matter how much sleep, if I know I have to be up, I'll get up right ready for ready for work, jump in a shower. It might make. You know, I might be tired, but as soon as I grab a train, you know, if I have to go to London or anything, mm-hmm. I get from train. I'm like, right, I'm here, I'm good to go. But on a normal day, I can easily sleep into eleven or noon. Yeah, and then still be like, oh, yeah, it's slow. it's fine. It depends what I'm doing, I suppose. I think writing writing's the worst because I've I've recently signed up to like a uh, to an online course, partly just to to sort of practice this. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> practice Amazing. sort of deep work. Amazing. But all through through uni as well, something something about writing yeah. that I find, I think I've so trained my brain to n- get distracted by it. I think there's a lot. Yeah, I don't know, there's a lot of things going on. Like, p- 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 procrastinating. It's just saying I want to get over. But a lot of the procrastination as well, sort of perfectionism. With writing, you have to. You just write something, and it's shit. <laughs> and then you rewrite it, and then you rewrite it. But I just it's getting my brain to to be okay with writing shit first time round. Yeah, it's like, have you ever taken, I remember doing dissertation at <laughs> my student accommodations, 
everyone's on Adderall. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then like, and then, I remember. Yeah, me, me, I remember Modafinil. Yeah, I tried it once. Yeah. Like everyone was doing this thing, and they're like, "Yeah, it just helps you write, stay awake." At that time, you're like three weeks into dissertation. Everyone is shattered, mm. and it's like, right, I've got to keep doing this. You write, and you think this is absolute gold. Like this is. Like first, this is a star, the best work I've ever written, and the next morning you read it, and you're like, "What a load of shit did I just write? It's absolute nonsense." Yeah, <laughs> it just gives you this false, uh, false yeah. image. But That's right. I never, I just procrastinate for so long until it was the pressure was so much. I was like, "I just have to write it and like stay up for two days in a row and just yeah. do it." But I, I, ne- I never, I never did my best work though because I was always. I just had to get it in in the time and send it off. And then I, I think to myself, God, if I had another week to edit that, I could make it really oh, good. Yeah. But I just had to get something in. I've always been like that. I always I always thought that I worked good under pressure and that's because of my procrastination. Yeah, no, like, yeah, it's not that you work good under pressure, it's that you only work under yeah, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being like, I'll, I'll be... I remember they'll give us like... That's the thing, because at Central St. Martins, they'll give you two-week deadlines. You go, right, you've got a two-week project get it done with my university London College of Communication it was I oh, got two and a half months to do it so I was like oh mate I'm going yeah. to chill for two months <laughs> yeah and then you crack it for the last few weeks you know I've got half decent grades but thinking yeah. like I could have if I actually utilised that whole time did, how, how much did you beat yourself up about that would you, would you be like really annoyed at yourself probably not I tell you what, <laughs> I got to admit I, you know I, I was one of those lucky ones that I did pretty good you know in each one and that was purely because I was like right just just quick Quick ideas, get it done, do it. Yeah. Um, my problem that when I was at university was, I, they always wanted you to like, right, get a bunch of ideas and develop each one and then, then pick it. But I knew from the get, well, I say I knew, I had a good clear Im- image of what I wanted and I just did it. Mm. And it was like, no, no, you have to do five ideas. And ah. so then when I actually came to, you know, having the last two weeks to do a project, I literally just thought of an idea and did it, and it worked out in the end. But in practice, I should have started developing ideas because, <laughs> especially the industry I'm in, you know, directing, you need to explore a lot of different avenues before you commit to something, especially when there's a lot of money involved. Hmm. Storyboarding and things. Yeah, that's referred to as Parkinson's law. What, is that what it's that? called? Yeah, Parkinson's law. That the amount of time allocated to achieve a task. Is the amount of time it will take. <laughs> <laughs> I love deadlines. So, like, yeah, I think like, uh, probably a good way of, if you want to get something done, just sort of create, create a, a yeah. create a situation in which you you have to. That's another thing. I I saw something. I know it was a it was a podcast. It was actually a podcast from Matt Devella, and it was about the sense of urgency, and it was talking about that. You know, you don't make any good progress unless you have that sense of urgency. Like if you if you're unemployed, oh no, sorry, if you're employed, you've got a mundane job and you're you know you're paying the bills, everything's kind of flowing, but you've got you want to get something better. But you're thinking, ah, oh, but if I, you know, if I quit now, I'll be in trouble, or you know, everything's comfortable. But mm. it's not until you push yourself into that outside of that comfort zone and think, right, I'm gonna quit my job and now I've got to find something. Yeah, and that first thing I was so. I was so like wary of that because I know people just just get into a nine to five and then all of a sudden five years has gone by and you haven't done what you wanted. It's so easy to I slip into that. I mean, my website was take two two years, two years to produce, and that was just because I was comfy. I was like, 
I got regular clients. I don't need to get any more. I'm just, I'm, I'm just chilling it. Mm. And then you're thinking, but like, then sometimes things, things just take time as well. Things, things take time to sort of mm. grow organically as well. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there is, like getting, like I don't know, like getting a company going, and you know, sometimes it just takes time, and you sort of let it it's be, be okay room. with that. It is good breathing room. I had a buddy of mine when he was doing driving lessons. I was doing maybe four hours a week. I just wanted to crack it out, and even now, I felt it was not a lot of time, mm-hmm. four hours. But he was doing maybe one hour a week, and I was like, dude, why don't you do more? He's like, nah, I'm just just doing one hour a week, and then gradually I'll you know get to it and I think I don't know if you became a better driver of it or not but sometimes it's, it works mm. Mm. Yeah, but what was this you said you brought um, you brought a book what was this what oh was yeah book that you brought well yeah Tim Ferriss book which is called A Tribe of Mentors which is short life advi- advice from the best in the world but do you, do you listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast no I don't oh, he's one of the podcast giants but he um, this little passage is quite I think quite uh, relevant Uh, the older I get the more time I spend as a percentage of each day on crafting better questions in my experience going from times 1 to times 10 from times 10 to times 100 from times 100 to when lady luck really smiles times a thousand returns in various areas has been a product of better questions. John Dooley's dictum of a problem well put is half solved applies. Life punishes the vague wish and rewards the specific ask. After all, conscious thinking is largely asking and answering questions in your own head. If you want confusion and heartache, ask vague questions. If you want uncommon clarity and results, Ask uncommonly clear questions. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. But I think that is. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. But this this book, he he goes around and interviews just loads of uh, a variety of, sort of world class performers in certain things. But he has a set of set of questions that he asks them all. Oh yeah. Um, is there any questions there? Uh, I think they find the um. Could find the list. It's interesting. I'm always open to finding new new podcasts. There's so many interesting people, and I think with the ease of access that we have now, it's so great to meet new people, especially also in video production. Just like the amount of stories and documentaries that are being made of people that have just the most insane, amazing stories. You just think, like, God, imagine if they had that a hundred years ago. Mm. What kind of stories you'd get back there? I'm so. It's such a cool medium. I'm yeah, really sort of excited about it. It's been yeah, I think it's like it's positively influenced my life a lot. Mm. Listening, listening to them, but I feel like we've almost come full circle and we're back to we've gone back to sitting round sitting round the campfire, yeah. s- telling stories with the tribe, the, the, the woolly mammoth that got away. It's yeah. like come. We sort of come full circle. But we can hear back and share that story. And I think that's yeah, what's really good. storytelling. I, I really relate to a lot of the comedians that we both follow, like uh, Joe Rogan, Bill Burr, Tom Segura, you know, Burt Kreischer. There's a lot of people that I've also developed from, like, you know, from Jim Norton to Kurt Metzger. Um, 
I love their like friend group. I love mm. like the stories they they say, and also like Bill Burr's like uh, you know advice uncle or whatever, agony aunt like right. section on his podcast. I don't I don't no. know if you watch too many of his. Bill Burr doesn't doesn't Bill Burr he doesn't have guests on does he? He rarely has guests. It's mainly just him. Yeah, I think that's really. I think that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it feels like a one on one session. It's yeah, like sitting in a room with him, but. The advice stuff that he says is just hilarious. I think I've grown so much just from hearing him and then just how blunt they are. You know, if you're being a dick, you're just like, yeah, sort yourself out. You know, it's all about being yeah. honest with yourself. And I think I've become a much better person and more self-aware about it, mm. you know, because sometimes people don't want to tell you like, hey, chill, you know, chill, chill the hell out, mate. Yeah, I think it's, all, it's important as well. I think it's really helpful when the sort of successful people you admire come on and tell you tell you like when they've had a shit time or like when they struggle with things and you kind of go oh okay I guess that's guess that's okay as well I think there's something important about people people sharing that because it's, it's easy to it's easy to think some people just have it easy all the time but everyone struggles don't they especially when you see people that are very flamboyant with what they have mm. you know flexing I think yeah. that's also especially, a warped perspective, because, especially with like especially the the social media age. Oh my God. It, it's you're you're just getting the highlight reel, aren't you? And it's easy to to think envious yeah, thoughts. Yeah, like oh, they've got a nice car. How how did they get that? And it's like you don't know their story. No. You know, and I think that's also you, you, that's also could be challenging as well because people get really insecure about stuff. They're like, oh, but this person is so successful. I'm not successful. It's like, well. First of all, think about count like yeah. everyone has different progress rates. Yeah, you know, and I, I just think C- comparing yourself to others is always going to be a slippery slope. Yeah, it's it's good to have competition. But yeah, Insp- inspiration. Yeah, but not jealousy. Don't get crazy about it. I think I'm more. I'm. I think where I am about it is that I'm more not jealous. I think envious is the bad way about it. I'm really inspired by people that have, have more experiences so like the way that you do things rather than buying materialistic things I'm buying a car like buying cars or nice things it's oh I did a really cool trip abroad or I went somewhere new or I went and saw this and at the end of the day you know when you're old those materialistic things don't go anywhere you know they're, they're just sitting there but experiences are like the biggest value in your life mm. yeah and that's kind of yeah because I'd always sort of been I was younger, like, oh, money doesn't matter and whatever. But I kind of soon realised that being, I'm I'm kind of an experienced junkie. I realised that having no money is, is harder to do fun things. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of go, you go, oh, let's do that thing. You go, ah, I can't afford it. <laughs> let's yeah. just sit at home. So as I'm not, I'm sort of not, I'm not naturally money driven, but. I've sort of had to, uh, yeah, I've had to sort of, I'm sort of trying to make it a focus because I'm not naturally, because I think yeah. it, it, uh, it sort, of, sort of set me up for more, yeah. What has been your biggest, what has been your biggest experience that's changed you mentally? Like your perspective of life or someone that you've met, is there anything that within, let's say, the last few years that's kind of really stuck with you? Um, God, it's an interesting question. 
Um, actually, I mean, in terms of massive perspective shifts that have been helpful, actually, <laughs> uh, some MDMA experiences are very. That's I think that that has made me a, a better person. I think. Is that you, to promote you like being compassionate or like? Yeah, because you have such a you have such a sort of wave of um, sort of yeah empathy and love that you kind of go wow like oh being on you get you go like oh being nice to people <laughs> feels better and you go. <laughs> Oh, maybe I should just do a bit more of that in in everyday life. Anyway, you don't have to go around hugging people and rubbing them, have but you, you can take away little lessons. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen? There's a game called um, We Happy Few. I don't know if you heard about it. But no. It's a game about this. There's a town that's like everyone is drugged up, and they see things in in beauty and happiness and color. Mm. But if you're not on the drug, it's the worst experience of your life. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's just a mad dark, dark age. But my yeah, my most recent <laughs> going back to yeah, going to play drug drugs again. But I think psychedelics are very powerful and positive mm. if you use them, treat them with respect. But my recent magic mushroom experiences have been very perspective shifting. Yeah. Um, In what way? And what? they've been well. Firstly, I took I took two. First, did a. Uh, a two gram dose, which is referred to as a sort of uh, therapeutic dose, and then I took a, f- a five gram dose, which is almost like <laughs> they call it a heroic or a spiritual dose. But the first, the, t- the two gram dose was just was incredible. You, uh, there was a sort of real sense of in n- normal everyday life. You think you, like you and nature and everything else are sort of these separate things, mm. and when I took took that. Uh, I mean, lots of different things happen. Like you listen to music, and there'll be whole music will have whole new layers of meaning you didn't see before. And then I went to the window and I looked outside. And it was a beautiful sunny day. Looked out across the pond, and all the the colours just like this. The saturation was just turned up times ten. Wow! It was just beautiful. But then there was a real sense of like connectedness with nature. Like a butterfly would go mm. past, and you'd go. Oh, I, I am that. Like we're made of the same thing. We are both nature, in this sort of cycle, which was that, interesting. That calm down, like when you're like, oh, I see things for how they are. Do you feel sad about that? No, it's not like, yeah, it's not like some other. Like there's no, there's no come down. I felt, I felt better afterwards than I did before. Best way I could describe, it. but it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like oh I saw things like that and then I came back to the real world and saw things how they really are. It was sort of the op. It was like I'd been uh, the way I was seeing things before was not accurate. It's like I'd been shown a, a it was like a revealed truth that you take with you. It was like a new perspective. It was like there there felt more truth in that than there did in the way I was looking at things before. Do you think that these sort of like hallucinogenics can be really beneficial to people who have like cr- like really severe depression? People that are so clouded that they can't see, not even what, what is normal, but like 
mm-hmm. you know, I'm just imagining people that are just so in their own in that world that maybe that these sort of treatments could really help. Well, yeah, and there seems to be a lot of there's a lot of new research coming out and uh, just showing that they're actually been amazingly effective in treating in treating depression. Wow. I think that's yeah, that sort of perspective shift I think is probably has a lot has a lot to do with that. Um there's a lot of new research as well. Like MDMA has just passed through stage two trials in the US. Oh really? Um for treating people with um treating a lot of people with PTSD come back from war zones because it allows them to like with assisted psychotherapy, like the two together, it allows them to talk about those traumatic experiences but while feeling happy. Mm. So it allows them to sort of talk about them without bringing up the painful experience. And yet that's proving really effective. That's awesome. And there are other things like um, Ibogaine, um, it's another very powerful hallucinogenic, but that, that, <laughs> that seems to be, that is a really high success rate in, in treating people with addiction, like yeah. heroin, heroin addiction and uh, you name it. So I think I think there's some really promising promising research. People are Yeah, starting to get over this sort of moral panic that was brought brought about in the sixties about it. Yeah, it's it's all education. It's all what yeah. what you've been fed or well, even if, you know, first hand research. Mm. You know it, you know, I I I'm I'm quite liberal on, on my thoughts on drugs. I think it's all about being well educated, knowing what's good, and also anything that's produced well will give good results. And you know, people, the things that you get off the streets, you know, like any other sort of drugs, um, class A drugs that are mixed in with rat poisons and stuff yeah. like that, of course, you're gonna get a bad result, exactly. But um, if you get something that's actually made for what it's intended for, mm. then you're gonna get you know, you can learn how to control that, yeah. I think it was all first brought to my attention. I read a book called good cop bad war um i forget the author's name but yeah he was a he was an undercover drug drug um in the undercover drug police in the uk for years and yeah and he just saw this war on drug it just makes things work them being illegal makes things worse but it doesn't keeping them elite keeping them i think all drugs illegal even the bad ones it just doesn't stand up to any any reason debate yeah, because like so much of the harm, so much of the harm that's done, one a lot of the like you're saying, so many of the deaths and issues are because people take there are things that are in them that weren't supposed to be in them. Mm. So that's that's a lot of it, and also by making them illegal, you you're actually making it so you can't regulate them. If you legalize them, you could then highly regulate them and make it safer, and also you can't you're by making it illegal, you're just you're creating this criminal, this criminal underworld. And if, if it's it, like a prohibition, really. Yeah, it's it is prohibition, and that's what the um, this guy I'm talking about started a, a sort of campaign, and it's called Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Um, and it's funny, I watched an old a documentary, and they used a lot of old footage from alcohol prohibition in the US and um, they're going through it and the parallels are just exactly the same and it's funny uh, yeah it's funny we can't sort of learn from that but I think things will change because I think our generation have got such a different view on it yeah but I I think even in the UK marijuana is now being used medically Mm. which 
feels quite ancient because other countries have been doing it for decades already. Yeah. But it's just, it's like their own slow progress in making those changes. Yeah. But it's but not, we're starting to have... I'm glad we're moving forward. Yeah, grow, able to have grown-up conversations about it. Yeah. Like, I saw... I, I, know, I know you're looking at what I'm doing here. Basically, I've made a... For people that can't see, obviously, because there's no camera. There's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I made pellet holders for, um, for air guns, and they're made out of old rubber boots. And I'm basically fondling this while, while yeah. we're talking. <laughs> and I've been sort of curiously watching you. There's <laughs> something sort of weirdly therapeutic about it. <laughs> I think we should I think we should always have a, a slice of boot to play with. <laughs> a little Yeah, but what was going back is that Unilad have created that um documentary and one of the recent episodes about it, something called Spice and mm. it's like basically some intense drug. Yeah. Like Similar to like bath salts, just basically knocks you yeah, out. Yeah, people used to smoke that when I was in Australia. Um, oh, wow. It's like syn- synthetic um, cannabis, isn't it? It's mad. And why mm. are you like not even, na- it's not natural at all. It's just insane. Like, that's going to kill you. And there's been like o- like so many people that are overdosing and that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. But that's what happens. You know, it's like alcohol. Like we have the freedom to get something that's 2%, 3 4 or you can go 35% or more. Yeah. You know, you can choose what you want. It's the same yeah, when you go to countries have, you have that... A- accurate information. You know, like in um, Amsterdam, if you go to marijuana shops, they have that you can choose. What do you want? Like, do you want something that makes you a bit more relaxed, something mellow, or something that makes you a bit more productive? There's so many different strains and strengths. Yeah. Um, imagine if you can get that. So when people that have never tried particular drugs before, and they get it off some dodgy dealer. Mm. They they can get it in a world of a world of something they never even mm. anticipated because they have no idea what it is. Imagine yeah. if you wanted to buy, I'm going to go get some alcohol, and someone gives you some bootleg moonshine that's 120 percent, mm. and it basically makes you blind. Yeah, they be like this person died. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, of course they had no idea what they got. Yeah, often to seems to change laws. It requires convincing middle-class parents so much of the time (laughs) but i think and there is that that knee-jerk reaction to oh i want to protect my children keep it illegal but it's far easier for kids to get marijuana or any drug than alcohol because drug dealers don't ask for id no how how much do you want all right yeah cool done yeah but going back to Going back to the uh, profound experiences, saying about the, the five gram dose of magic yeah. mushrooms, yeah, that was completely perspective shifting because there was a moment where it, it, I experienced complete ego dissolution. So it's complete. So I sort of <laughs> descended into a state of pure consciousness. So there was no sense of self or body or you. But there was, it's very, sounds mad to describe, but it's a really profound realisation that, it's a really profound realisation that consciousness can exist outside the sense of self, the ego. You wouldn't, you can't imagine that being possible, but it is. But I think after that, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of sort of just underlying existential angst that just disappeared. Mm. Because it was almost like, it was almost like I'd practiced dying. It's honestly that's what I was just thinking. I was thinking like it, it just feels like you're a brain, and you're detached yeah. from your body's own insecurities and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like you're just 
in this nether. Because you think the because you, you think the you the sense of you is all there is. There's you, uh, and if you didn't have that, that's death. But there was, I don't, yeah. There's a there was a sense of, I think a sense of existing, but there was no sense of self. But it was like it's like it's like you practice dying, but it was actually quite pleasant. Mm. So it sort of, yeah, how, sort of dissipated a bit of that fear. And how long did that last? I mean, till now, till yeah. I mean, now, right? how long? How long is that five milligrams? Oh, um, five grams even. Yeah, it was funny. It was, it was really odd. It took to like fully kick in that time. It took it took like three or four hours. But I don't think it, it always does. But before then, I just felt kind of high, and I was mm. just socialising, mucking about. It was really odd. I'd, I'd, um, yeah, I was just laughing. I was expecting this, this like profound experience, and nothing had happened for like three or four hours. And then I went downstairs. Everyone went out. I went into the bathroom. It's quite a long. It's quite a long description. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm totally in this. <laughs> okay, so I went. Yeah, I just went to the bathroom and I was like, oh, it's weird. I haven't had this profound experience like I had before. Um, and then I, it was like last time when I'd had the two grams, that was more of a spiritual experience than this time. It was weird. And then I was like, I had a realisation like, oh, perhaps more isn't always better. It was like I had this weird feeling that I was like, brain was teaching me a lesson. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fair enough. And I went to leave and I caught... I caught the mirror out of the corner of my eye and I stopped and I had this sense I was going I thought to myself right I could probably go back outside now and just it would just have been like a fun afternoon or I can turn have a bit of courage and turn and look at this mirror and then, uh, and then have have this full this full mystical experience and I was like alright alright let's go sort of <laughs> turn round to the mirror, put my hand on the sink, and then wow, I can't really just. I just stared at myself in the mirror and looked in my eyes, and my face just—it's really hard to describe. My face just changed, but it was—it was kind of—it was like it was sort of beautiful in a weird like a picture of the cosmos is beautiful it was like it was like my face was made up of you know when you see see like pictures of the cosmos yeah. it was weird it was like my face was arranged like that so it was the structure of my face but it wasn't my face and I no longer felt like me I felt like I'm the universe observing itself and I was just like whoa okay and I was like right okay and I because you got to sort of you, you don't want to fight it you got to just surrender to the experience mm. I was like, okay, right, surrender. And then I sort of went down onto my knees and just like put my, my head on my arms. And then that was when I just, just descended into that state of pure consciousness. While in the bathroom. Yeah, while in the bathroom. <laughs> it was, amazing. yeah. How long were you in that state for? I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to tell. I didn't really look at the watch. And then I would sort of come you know, slowly I remember sort of remembering who I was again <laughs> and then sort of, but then the trip lasts, you sort of about halfway through by that point and then there was a lot of other things, interesting realisations and things that happened after that. But 
and the whole process is sort of about eight hours. Wow. Um, but That's yeah, very, very, very profound and interesting. oh yeah no (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but it's one of those like the two grams feels like it's it's like a really good therapy session Mm. and it's something like you'd you'd want you know you'd like to do be sort of good for your psyche doing that every so often but that sort of five gram dose you're like Okay, maybe once a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a big, it's a big, a big thing. Do you think that's something that people can abuse? That that these uh, sort of drugs can people abuse? Yeah, people abuse everything. But it's not, it's non-addictive. But I mean, I don't know. But I know certainly, certainly people. I'm sure people have, yeah. have and do. But that's real. I don't know. I don't know what would trigger you to do that. Some real just needing to escape, or yeah, but it's not it's not addictive. Like oh, I need some more, but it's you know can be a useful tool. I think that's bold. If you, yeah, if you treat it with respect, but the set and setting is so important as well. Yeah, you have to be in a sort of comfortable, safe no, no, environment. DGLE. Yeah, exactly. You can have a really bad bad time if you're in a an environment you don't feel comfortable in. Yeah, damn. That's yeah, it. that's, I, it's the first time you told me that full story, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I've not told I mean, you. I remember mean, we like, yeah, I'll tell you later. <laughs> oh, I never, I never did. <laughs> um, oh, no, so, yeah, but there's a good description in uh, uh, Michael Pollan. Um, I think he's sort of a famous journalist, but he was in his 60s and he, he was writing about this sort of new. Mm. Um, sort of new research that people are doing on psychedelics there seems to be a bit of a renaissance so he's experiencing it but then you sort of listen to people's descriptions so much he got so curious he's like right i need to experience this firsthand and he's written a whole book about all his all his experiences but he he took a a, a four gram dose i think and experienced that that ego death and he writes writes about it quite eloquently it's worth worth a read I wonder if it's like people film themselves doing that sort of stuff. You know. Yeah, people just, do. Would you watch oh, that? Yeah, back if you, yeah if definitely you people it. do. It's hard. It's hard with that though, because you. Yeah, you might be. If you're skeptical, you might like watching someone. They might look a bit mad <laughs> doing it because it's so you like you, you, yeah, like your your internal experience might actually be really valid and useful. But if you yeah. if you were sort of behaving outside the paradigms of what what you expect people to, it might put you off a bit. Yeah, but I guess I don't I don't know. I've not watched. You gotta be you gotta be it's not what's the word? Can't be insecure about if you wanna if you wanna do something like that. Yeah, being, it, that goes into being comfortable in where you're at. Yeah, I think it's just you need to yeah set your intention like you want to you know. You have to, you have to sort of, like, if if you're having a bad experience, like something's a bit uncomfortable, you want to sort of go towards it and say, okay, like, why are you in my head? What, what? Be curious and go towards it, rather than if you start fighting it, that's when you're gonna have a bad, bad time, because um, you can't. You just have to. It's like a feeling of surrender. Yeah. That's where sort of yoga's 
really also Joe Rogan was talking about that and he's wondering what so where when yoga was uh, developed they probably used a lot of well they may have like some psychedelics or hash may have been involved because there is a lot of uh, a lot of yoga it's so it, it's sort of you can't fight it, it you, you'll be really uncomfortable at times but you've just sort of you've got just got to surrender to the discomfort you can't you can't like fight it and be like you just have to go like and just live just hold the position and just and I think how long is an average I, I haven't done yoga how long is it like an average hold someone get you to do a position oh I don't know it depends what sort of class you do there's different styles some of the some of it's a lot more flowing mm. it's like each movement is like one breath and you have it's very very tired to breathing it's sort of quite meditative uh, but the one I do is hot yoga strength class. It's called. So there's a lot more sort of static mm. holds, and your your muscles start what? shaking, and you're like, ah. And um, what if you fart? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing. Is like I know if I do if I do one class, I'll fart in the middle of the court uh, the thing, and I'll be like, yeah, I won't see any of you guys later. Yeah, people do. <laughs> I won't be here again. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not experienced anyone doing it, but. They must do. You get close at times, but that's part of the part of the <laughs> you, challenge. Yeah, just just some just some mean sphincter clenching. <laughs> but then, could you imagine like what you're thinking? You're trying to relax, but you're thinking, "Oh man, I got a creeper coming up." <laughs> yeah, well, he's not. Yeah, I don't think relax is really the word. Is it about relaxing? Is it about being like relaxed? Or is it trying to? Because there, there are two. There are two. Because people, th- people tend to think of yoga as just stretching, but a lot of it's being there's a lot of muscle muscular strength as well, and it's like holding, holding positions, and it it really gets those little, those little balancing muscles, little connective tissues that don't yeah. get, and it put, put, puts your body in balance. So it's not just, I mean, there is there is stretching as well, but it's strength and stretching. It's not just. It's not just doing hamstring. You think oh, I'll just do an hour of hamstring stretching, <laughs> but yeah, when you when you are stretching into things, yeah, the breath is there's a sort of real like you sort of breathe in, breathe out, and just let it go. Because so much of flexibility is your it's your nerves more than your your actual than than well no, it's often your your muscles could probably get in the position, but your nerves are trying to protect your muscles from getting torn. So you'll you'll go to stretch, and your your nerves will send signals and go psh, and like lock up the muscle, and that's why you relax and ease into it, and you just your nerves allow you to to get a little bit further. Mm. Especially being and hot yoga is way more lets you do that a bit more freer. Yeah, I think it definitely helps being yeah having a hot a hot core. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely get more flexible. Nice. Yeah, decent. Geyser. Geyser. Diamond geyser. <laughs> so, how long should we should we say okay. should we say an hour or I don't know what what do you think's the the optimal time? I don't know. I think I think we're doing. What's the minute this? So I think we started at seven because I looked at the clock and said, "Blimey, how did it get to seven? Where are we at? If I do the old. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Oh, so thank you for listening on the first, first ever try. Yes, our first experiment in conversations. Mm.
Mm. Mm. Until next time. Until next time.